You are listening to Hear Her Sports, a podcast for active, adventurous women who love hearing stories from other active and adventurous women. I'm your host, Elizabeth Emery. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in sport through a conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. In today's episode, I am joined by 17-year-old Samantha Smith, truly a multi-sport athlete. She does freestyle skiing, the kind with jumping and flips in the air, as well as alpine and Nordic skiing. She runs cross country, plays soccer, hikes, mountain bikes, and who knows what else she can do. Sammy lives seven months of the year in Boise, Idaho, and five months in Sun Valley, splitting time between Boise High School and Community School. This setup allows her to pursue her two main sports, soccer and skiing. And what makes Sammy unique is that she is top level in both these sports. She is a member of the U.S. cross-country skiing development team and a member of the U-20 U.S. national team soccer pool. This past year, she had World Cup experiences in both soccer and in skiing. She played in the U-17 Soccer World Cup in India, where she scored two goals. Also, Sammy skied period four of the Nordic World Cup in Norway, Sweden, Estonia, and Finland. In those 2023 elite World Cup races, which took place between March 11th and 26th, she earned two top 30 finishes. This is a really big deal because top 30 means she advanced to the next round of heats. It's one of those solid markers of achievements in sports. Soccer and cross-country skiing seem so different, but Sammy explains how each helps her train and gain skills for the other. We definitely talk about the benefits of doing all kinds of sports as a kid, but there are certainly strains in scheduling for both. And I wonder at what point, if ever, will a desire for extreme focus outweigh the joys in many interests. Sammy has top results in her other sports as well. For example, she's been state champion and Gatorade Player of the Year in cross country and track. Her full result list is in the show notes. It's always fun to talk to young athletes because they find so much joy and energy doing the sport they love. It's a great reminder for me since sometimes I can get caught up in training. I really love meeting Sammy and hope you do as well. So we're going to get right to it. Hi, Sammy. Uh, You know, it's so great that you're here. Can't wait to find out more about what you're up to. You are such an amazing athlete. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much for having me. Sure thing. So, you know, I want to start out just by, you know, like you do so many things. Like, how do you describe yourself? I would describe myself as a, I guess, a multi-sport athlete. And, you know, I find a lot of joy in doing different things. And that makes me the happiest. So I try and just kind of dive in wherever wherever it's possible. I think a lot of people like feel the need to specialize when they're younger and that sort of thing. But my parents have been great and really supported my siblings and I and allowed us to pursue all of our different interests. So I'm very lucky in that regard. Do you think you're ever going to have to choose one sport? I mean, I know there are times where splitting time between different sports is very complicated and I've already had a lot of conflicts um, and I'm only 17 so I know that there will be more to come but I'm going to try doing what I love doing for as long as possible. What do you like about the different sports? I mean and I've heard you talk about this that the sports that you do like and that you do excel out are like super different. Yeah I think interestingly I mean not a lot of people I think would see many correlations between soccer and skiing but I find that there are a lot of different things I can pull from the two. Soccer is unique because obviously it's kind of the most played sport in the world. And 
it's a team sport. Everything is so dependent on those around you. And I think skiing, um, well, cross-country skiing, which is what I do, can sometimes be thought of as an individual sport, but I think the team aspect of it cannot be underestimated. I mean, it's the people you're training with, like, every day, like, you're being pushed in competition settings that it, it doesn't feel like you're just the only person racing. But yeah, I think it's really fun doing different things. And yeah, soccer, I love the team culture and I love how everyone is so involved because it is true, you can't win a game or lose a game individually. And there's a lot to be learned from team culture. Great skills for life, I guess. And in skiing, I think it's fun because, well, there are certainly other factors. It's pretty much just you when you're racing. And so your successes or your failures can pretty much come back to yourself. And I know a lot of people may find that discouraging, but I enjoy it because it's really objective. It allows me to know like where I am, what I need to work on, and how to grow from my results. I have cross-country skied and I've done a little bit of racing. And what has struck me as I got better is just how important, for example, you know, the wax on your skis are. Are you personally involved in that? Like, how do you deal with sort of those tech aspects of skiing? Yeah, so for a lot of the more local races and kind of smaller J&Q type events, uh, which are junior national qualifiers, I don't really do a ton of them anymore, but I used to do pretty much every one I could when I was younger. We would glide wax our skis, and then our coaches would provide structure and kick. But now that I've gotten to compete at a little bit of a higher level, we have wax techs who typically do that for us, which is really nice because I am not the most knowledgeable person about wax. I think it's amazing. Like our techs at World Juniors and when I was at period four of the World Cup, they're working over 12 hours a day, just testing every possible glide, every kick they could think of. And then when the day comes, we have a selection for any circumstance. And I, yeah, I think... It is hard sometimes when you maybe don't have the best skis or wax because you can think that negatively affects your races, but I don't know. It's it's definitely hard, but next year with the with everyone going floral free, it'll be interesting to see if that will lessen the discrepancy in skis or if it will maintain the same because quality of ski is another huge factor that just affects how the ski runs. Describe that a little bit more. Yeah, like like how the ski was produced, like it's manufacturing. When techs or various brands like Solomon, for example, which is what I ski on, they go to pick skis and when they're picking skis, they look through all of the ones like produced on that day and they kind of sort out, they test them uh, and find the best skis possible. And I think there's surprisingly like a very wide range of skis that are produced. And you would think that like they would all be about the same, but that's actually not true. And oftentimes you have certain batches on a certain day that are really fast skis. And then the following day, you can have skis that aren't really comparable to those the day before. Have you liked sort of taking this step up in your own level in terms of like, you know, now you're traveling with, you know, sort of U.S. national team type trips where you're you're able to take advantage of the tech people and the coaching and stuff like that has that been fun yes I have loved every minute of it I love being in environments where I feel like I'm being pushed and challenged and even though I am quite a bit younger than 
like for example, all the people who were in period four of the World Cup this year, like all the other athletes were so welcoming and kind. It was a great experience. You did so well in those races too. Oh, thank you. What did you learn? Ooh, that's a good question. I think, what did I not learn? <laughs> I guess is a better answer. I mean, just, I'd never skied out in front of so many people. And I think just like learning how to maintain the nerves, ski calm, but quickly is a huge thing because I know in my first race, which was a sprint in Drammen, I'm pretty sure I was skiing like a spaz, like just super <laughs> manic, kind of running around, not like technique went out the window. But I think, yeah, as I got more comfortable skiing in front of that many people and looking around and like, seeing the world champions and Olympic medalists that I was racing against, I kind of started to find my rhythm. Do you remember what it, like, what was going through your mind when you were, you know, in front of that many people? And as you said, in front of all, you know, these, I guess, you know, famous skiers and sort of like, what were you thinking about? What, like, what was causing, as you called it, the spaz? Yeah, my, in my first race, my main goal was to not get last. And I was one of the last starters. I was the second to last starter. And the races are seated based on points. I had the second to worst points there, which means I was like projected to get second to last, essentially. And the girl who is seated behind me, I'd actually raced her earlier in the winter and she was the world junior champion in the classic sprint. So in that first race, I was like, why is the world junior champion starting behind me when she beat me earlier this winter quite handily? So my main goal was to not let her catch me and just to try and get to the finish line as quick as possible. But I think had I focused a little bit more on skiing smoothly and working through the transitions, I could have picked up a few more seconds. But yeah, and then in Falun, which was, I think, the biggest spectator presence that I skied in front of by far. In my heat, I was with like Jonas Sudling, um, like like one of the most well-regarded sprinters in the world, and I just I was in last in my heat, and I just was thinking to myself, "Don't crash, don't don't be like the young seventeen-year-old who's four minutes behind at the at the finish line." So I was just trying to keep as close of contact as possible, and you know, I ended up making up a little bit of time at the finish, so that was nice. What are those events like for somebody who's never been there before? You know, like how many people, you said it's a lot of people, like how many people and, you know, like what's going on there and is it a big party scene? Yeah, so I had never even watched a World Cup race live before. I was actually there. The first race of period four was the Homakul 50K and it was really unique because this year the women were racing equal distances as men. So we got to do a 50K as well. I did not race in that, but... I got to be there and see that atmosphere, which was crazy. The Homokul race is known to be one of the largest spectator races in the world and have a very unique Nordic vibe. It's a little bit outside of Oslo, Norway. Yeah, so I think this year, I'm not really sure what the count was, but I know a few years ago, prior to COVID, there were over 100,000 people there. And a lot of people camp overnight, like bonfires, a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, but a ton of people who enjoy the sport and are eager to watch people race and compete. And then, yeah, in Falun, I, it was kind of like a more mellow version of Homokul, like still tons of people, 
a lot of cheering, yelling, cowbell ringing. I think there might have been a few bonfires. I'm not really sure, but definitely like a very loud and exciting environment. It's hard for, you know, like us in the U.S. to imagine that. Yeah, it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. I'm hopeful that the Minneapolis World Cup will kind of create a similar vibe. Are you going to be there? That is a question that I do not know. I hope to be able to race there, but of course it's dependent on how my season goes, how the start of my season goes next year and what the coaches think. Sure. So was the 50K inspiring for you since it was the first 50K for women? Yeah, I think it was incredible to watch women compete in the same distance as men. And I think it just further affirms that we are capable of doing what men can do. And it doesn't, like, we should not be forced to race a shorter distance. So I want to go back a little bit to training. And I think one of the biggest questions I have is, you know, you are doing these sports and, you know, mostly it sounds like focusing on soccer and the cross-country skiing. How do you balance that training or how do you think of training for those two sports? Yeah, so in the fall for my high school, our high school season is in the fall. I play high school soccer and then I run cross-country as well. And I think, you know, soccer, it's a pretty explosive sport, but it's also very dependent on endurance. I mean, you have to be able to play a full 90 and obviously endurance is very relevant in Nordic. So I think that works out well. And cross-country is where I get most of my training in, I would say. I think doing those workouts with the team and getting to race helps me get into ski shape earlier than I would otherwise if I were just playing soccer. Last fall actually was a little bit unique because I spent my entire fall almost, like around five weeks, in Dubai and India for the U-17 World Cup for soccer, which meant that I was not getting in a ton of additional cardio and strength training, and I was just solely focused on soccer. But, I mean, it was an incredible experience, and I'm so grateful that I was able to go. Just meant when I came back, it was a little bit of a harder transition for me because I went from just like soccer, 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 and then I had to kind of get the endurance back up, that sort of thing. But luckily, I was able to build into the season and still finished off in what I thought was a good place. How did you learn about training? Both my parents are very good athletes and they've taught me a lot. And I've also been really lucky to have great coaches who have taught me what to do, like what I'm looking for in training, what I should try and be doing. Um, I think variety is really important. And I get that a lot from doing different sports. And I think that's something that can't be underestimated because in soccer, while it is like kind of shorter sprints, change of direction, that sort of thing, in a sprint, for example, you need to have good ski maneuverability. And I think like agility is something that a lot of cross-country skiers maybe don't focus on that much because it isn't that relevant in sport, but I think it can have a huge effect. Yeah, I'm always struck watching the World Cup skiing and watching them corner. You know, even in the cross-country skiing, they're having to corner around pretty sharp corners and some people are better than others. Yeah, no, I think it's very technical, and I yeah. grew up downhill skiing, too, and I think that has made me a lot more comfortable on downhills, and I love to go fast, so. Yeah. 
So in, in Dubai and in India, when you were there, you were there for five weeks. What was it like focusing just on one sport? I mean, was that weird for you? Well, when I'm in season for something, I typically pretty tunnel vision on that sport. So uh-huh. like, I mean, it was, it was a little bit unique because I wasn't, I didn't have the opportunity to do a lot of the other training that I usually find myself doing, but it was incredible just to be there, see that environment and atmosphere and definitely reaffirmed that that's a level I want to get back to. Are you strength training? Yes, I do a lot of strength training as well. And have you always done that? Yeah. Um, like from a very young age, my parents had us doing like body weight exercises and working on foundational movements. So once we got older and we're lifting heavier, we had proper form and technique. I would say, though, compared to some people, I try and go for more like functional fitness type stuff. So I focus more on like pull ups and exercises that are really relevant to my sport instead of like squatting 200 pounds or something like that. How many pull-ups can you do? That's a good question. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done my max in a long time. Um, it used to be like 26, but... Oh, shoot. I've, wow. It's, I haven't tested in a long time, so I, yeah. I probably should do that. Well, that's a lot. Um, so who's guiding your training? I mean, it sounds like your parents have been involved you know, pretty heavily in the coaching up until now, but I know that you work with one of the national team ski coaches anyway. Yeah, Kristen Bourne is the developmental coach, and she helps me. Well, this year I'm hopeful. It, it's kind of hard because, well, my Sun Valley coaches, which is my, I ski for SGSEF, which is a club team in Sun Valley, they typically have done a lot of my training, primarily stuff during the winter, and then kind of throughout the rest of the year. I have such a sporadic schedule. I usually do what I can, but this year I'm second year with the national team. I'm definitely looking to get more guidance from Kristen Bourne, who's the developmental coach, I'm hopeful like she'll be able to help me kind of write a full plan and that sort of thing, along with the help of my Sun Valley coaches too. Would Kristen be writing you a plan, like a day-to-day plan? So on Monday, you know, January 1st, you do this, and on 2nd, you do that? Or is it sort of a more general program? You know, that's a good question, because I haven't ever really had someone write a plan that encompasses the full year. But during the winter, usually my coaches have a day-to-day plan for me. So like kind of at the end of the week, I know exactly what I'm doing Monday through Sunday. And I think that helps a lot, just knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it so you can prepare. Is there someone who's sort of keeping an eye on the bigger picture, you know, like you as the full athlete who wants to end up really high level in soccer and also in high level in skiing? Do you mean in terms of like a, a coach type perspective? Yeah. 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 I mean, this fall, I was planning on attending the national team ski camp in October in Park City. And I had committed to that. And then like a week before I was supposed to leave for that, I found out I was invited to the U-17 World Cup. Obviously, the national team coaches, Matt Whitcomb and Chris Grover and Kristen Bourne, when I told them they could have taken that the wrong way and questioned my commitment to the sport. But instead, they did the complete opposite. And they told me that they supported me regardless of what I was doing. And if doing multiple things makes you happy, be happy, do what you love. And I think that's great. Yeah, that's I was so grateful for their response because it could have been very different. And I think having people who understand 
what brings you joy just really makes the whole experience a lot more positive. We've sort of talked about this already, but I'm curious how you see both of your sports sort of working together and how they're part of your life. And, you know, and and you might as well add school into that, too, because you're still in high school and you're still, you know, taking classes and tests and all that. Yeah, I'm a junior in high school right now, so next year will be my senior year. And I've actually committed to play soccer in college, so I'm very excited about that, but I'm hopeful that while I'm there, I can also continue to pursue skiing, and hopefully I'm able to do that. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but I've known since I was, for as long as I can remember, that I wanted to play college soccer, and I'll be able to do it with my sister, which I think will be an incredible experience, and I want to have that. And so even if it does take away from my skiing for a few years, I'm hopeful that after college, I will be able to get back into things. What was the, like you said that you really wanted to be able to play soccer in college. What was the attraction of that? Um, My dad played college soccer and his, like the stories he shared, I mean, that just seems like such a fun environment and culture. And obviously soccer is the most played sport in the world. And I think it has the most recognition. And I, obviously I would love for skiing and other sports to be watched and viewed at that same level. But I think to get to play at one of the most dominant college programs and get to compete at that level would be incredible. Do you, I'm not entirely sure how to ask this question because I don't know if you're going to have the perspective from, you know, like being an older person, but I'm really curious about how, you know, your training maybe differs because you are in high school and you're, you know, you're still in your teens from maybe an older athlete. Like how is Christine Bourne thinking about that in terms of your age and what you can handle? Yeah, definitely. No, I think a lot of older athletes probably put in significantly more hours than I do. Personally, I love to train. And if there was more time to train, if I didn't have school and other things, I I would be training as much as possible. But I know I'm also young. And I think the hours that I'm putting in now, even though I don't really keep track of them because I get too analytical with those sort of things, I'm, yeah, uh, I, I wish I could train more and, and didn't have like some of the other things going on, but I think it's also an, a great opportunity to be able to still train in high school and compete at the level I'm competing at. You, you mentioned that you don't keep track of stuff. What do you keep track of, or if anything? Um, you know, interestingly, a lot of people keep track of their morning heart rates and every workout they do and that sort of thing. But sometimes I find myself getting too caught up in numbers. Like if I train this much one day, then the next day, how that compares. So I take more of a, well, more of like a holistic approach. Um, And I kind of view things like, how am I feeling? Am I training too much? Am I not training enough? Usually I, I feel like I'm more on the spectrum of training too much than not enough. Sometimes can find myself overdoing it, but yeah, for me, I I know I need, and I I likely will start getting into keeping track of everything, but I don't really think I'm in a position where I need to be too concerned about that right now. You hit on a topic I wanted to ask you about in terms of rest. Are you good at resting? Do you rest? 
I do it doesn't rest. sound like you rest much. Um, whether I'm good at it or not would probably be a better question for my parents. I don't enjoy rest that much. I've, I love being outside and I love hiking, mountain biking, just kind of doing anything in the mountains or in the fresh air. So I definitely can overdo things sometimes, but I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at prioritizing and resting appropriately. Maybe you don't need to rest that you're only 17. <laughs> Tell it to my parents. <laughs> right. Today's episode is sponsored by Endura Athletic. Endura Athletic is on a mission to create ethically sourced athletic apparel that empowers and supports athletic women's bodies. Rather than asking women to fit into clothes, Endura Athletic Apparel fits clothes to women, making space for powerful lats, broad shoulders, and strong legs. Through artfully designed, sweat-tested, and well-fitting apparel, women can tackle their workouts while feeling confident in their physique, whatever shape it takes. This winter, I was lucky enough to meet Abby, the founder of Endura, and was just so super excited to see bras made for athletic women with big rib cages like me. She even told me a story of Jesse Diggins, the great cross-country skier, being one of her first testers, because she too has a big rib cage and has struggled to find great quality bras that fit. Endura and Hear Her Sports are now working together. I can't wait to try the Endura bras and also the Stay Put shorts which have a grip strip along the bottom hem to keep them in place. So smart. And yes, they do have pockets. You can find out more at EnduraAthletic.com or on this episode's show notes page. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Let's return now to the conversation with 17-year-old ski and soccer phenom, Sammy Smith. You touched on this a little bit when we were talking about the ski racing, the World Cup ski racing. You know, like, how do you deal with the pressure of competition? Yeah, well, I think interestingly at the World Cup, I felt zero pressure. I was the youngest person there, had no expectations. I was just hoping not to get last. And I think I was fortunate enough to have some good results and I got two top 30s, which I definitely wouldn't have expected. So I just kind of approached it, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm grateful to be here, grateful to get to compete on the World Cup stage. But in a lot of other events just like your normal races or even like world juniors and stuff I definitely get pretty nervous before things a few years ago I used to get extremely nervous and I think it was detracting from my performance but over these last couple years I think I've matured a bit and have been able to put things in perspective 
so I can perform at my best when the time comes. What does nervous look like for you? Quiet. Um, usually I feel like my heart is about to pop out of my chest because it's racing so fast. Other than that, yeah, I would just, yeah, a little jittery, maybe. I used to not sleep, like, at all before I raced because I would, so much anticipation before the start, but I'm past that now, which is great. You know, I always think that the nerves of competition are so interesting because, you know, sometimes they're really useful, but there's a point where it gets to be completely not useful. Yes. And I would say now I still get plenty nervous before races, but I think I've been able to channel that energy into a nervous excitement instead of a nervous performance debilitating. <laughs> right. How did you manage that? You know, I think my older sister has helped a lot with that because, you know, she's been competing for longer than I have. And I watched her and kind of what worked for her, what maybe didn't work for her and, and learn from. And I think my parents have also been hugely important in that. And they've made sure that I understand every race is not going to be my best. I cannot be disappointed with the result if I put forth my best effort. So usually before races, I just focus on the controllables, which is pretty much how hard I can work. You have hit on a topic that I would love to ask you about, and that is, you know, going into competition, you know, all athletes want to do well. You know, as we were talking about, like those nerves and that pressure can get to be too much. So, you know, like how do you think about wanting to do really well and wanting to be the best and the fastest and to win versus what you were just talking about, like wanting to do your best? Yeah, well, for me, I have a couple superstitions that help me kind of get in the zone. And I think it just puts things in perspective for me because I realize how much when I like perform my various superstitious activities, I realize how much I have done those things. And then I think to myself, this is just another race, even though it may be at a higher stage, a lot more people are watching. Ultimately, when you think back on your career, you're not going to focus on one race. You're going to think about the process and what it took to get to where you are. Do you like sort of that process part of it? Yes, I love to train a lot. <laughs> How come? Honestly, I just, I love the exercise. <laughs> I love hard workouts. I love that, that type two fun kind of energy. I love like hard endurance efforts where you're out there for hours. And then at the end, that sense of accomplishment, it's just, it's relief. It's fun. And I think I've been fortunate enough to grow up in a household where both my parents and my two siblings love a lot of the same things that I love. So we've had great family experiences on long backpacking trips, hiking runs, that sort of thing. And then, yeah, and I have gotten to share that with all of them. So I think that just makes the experience a lot more fun. What are you working on now? What are you not good at or hoping to improve on? Well, rest is one thing. because <laughs> I know my parents would say I'm not good enough at that. But I think recovery can sometimes be misinterpreted as rest, but I think it's actually quite different, like focusing on taking care of my muscles and like stretching and rolling, that sort of thing is a huge part of sports and I, I need to get better at doing that. Probably the biggest thing for me right now is mobility because 
I'm not mobile at all. I have like zero shoulder flexibility and hip mobility and that sort of thing. And I think sometimes that impedes my skiing significantly because I'm tense and tight. So I need to learn to relax, open my hips, that sort of thing. But I'm, I'm working on that. Take care of that now because it's only going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm worried about. What are your long-term goals? That's a good question. Um, I want to compete on the highest stage possible. And I think getting to represent your nation is such a surreal experience. I mean, the amount of pride and gratitude you feel when you're doing it is uncomparable. And I hope to have a lot more of those experiences and get to ski for the U.S. and play soccer for them, too. I know Kristen Bourne recently talked to you because she's actually been on the podcast. And um, as you mentioned, she's the developmental coach for the U.S. national team. So what did you and she talk about in terms of this next coming season and what your goals are and how you guys are going to work on that? Um, I'm actually going to head to Bend for a U.S. ski team camp next Saturday. So I'll get to work with her and some of the other coaches while I'm there. But I'm hoping to talk more in depth with her about some of my goals for next season. I've thought about it a little bit, but probably not as much. Well, I don't want to say as much as I should have, but I will certainly be focusing on that more when, as the summer gets near. But right now I'm pretty focused on soccer. So sometimes it's hard for me to pull my attention in two very different directions. I think that's the interesting thing about you as an athlete is that you are doing these two sports. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's such a high level. I mean, it's one thing to sort of dabble in one sport and be really good at another sport, but you're such a high level of both of them. Do you see yourself as unique? I mean, do you know other athletes who are doing something similar? That's a good question. I probably haven't met or I have not met anyone who's done what I have done, particularly the combination of soccer and skiing. Of course, I, I also run track and cross country for my high school. I think those are complementary, though, definitely help both my two primary sports, which soccer and skiing. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because over the last few decades, there's been more and more emphasis to have kids specialize younger, but I also think it can hinder an athlete's potential when and also like increased risk of burnout. I think that's a huge thing right now is people are so focused from such a young age on succeeding in, an, in one sport. And then if there are times when they plateau, I mean, it's just hard. And I think when you're doing different things, you never have that feeling of burnout because something is always new. You always have, I don't want to say a fallback option, but something you're extremely passionate about that you can do at the same time. So I'm, I'm definitely a big proponent of multi-sport athletes, and I know my parents are as well. Well, you know, it's interesting because I sort of keep track of lessons that I learn in the podcast, and I've now been doing the podcast since 2016, so many years. And one of the, I would say, top seven lessons I've learned is that, you know, I would say 98%, I mean, really high percentage of the athletes that have been on the podcast have been multi-sport athletes until quite late in their lives. You know, at some point they are, I don't know, internally focused, not pressured focused to make some sort of choice. But up until that point, 
they have done a ton of different sports growing up. Yeah, for sure. I think it's super beneficial. So in soccer, you are part of the U.S. national team. What's happening this summer with that? Did you, you just got back from a camp, is that correct? I did, yes. It was like a camp, and then like from the camp, a roster would be selected for the U-20 CONCACAF tournament, which is being mm-hmm. held end of May in the Dominican Republic. I don't know yet whether I made the roster or not. It's U-20 team, so like a, a year older than I am, generally speaking. I'm sure there'll be some O-5s on it, but excited to either hear the good news or or the bad. Right. What are those camps like? Most of them are like very centered on training and learning the foundations of U.S. soccer. So they're pretty principle-based, like knowing when to press, where to press, how to execute the presses, and formational type things. I'd say like super educational. Mm. So it sounds like a lot about, I mean, tactics may not be the word, but uh, play and... and uh game strategy and stuff like that yeah i think tactics would be a great word for it because i think the idea is too if you have a lot of players getting opportunities in national team camps they can take what they've learned and help implement that in their own club or high school environments so that that level of play can rise as well Mm. are you good at tactics i think i've gotten a lot better since i've had more national team exposure Mm -hmm. um i think coming from Idaho, where we don't have as strong of a presence in the soccer world, I've lacked in that area before. But I think watching the game has, and just learning from other players and teams, you can pick up on things pretty quickly. If you make this U-20 team that goes to the Dominican Republic at the end of, I think you said the end of May, you'll do that. And if you don't make that, what happens? Like, what else is going to be going on in the summer for, for you in soccer? Well, that's the interesting thing about soccer is nothing is really standardized. So Mm. we don't have an idea of when camps are going to be held, when there are going to be international friendlies. We, We know none of that, which is very different from skiing because the coaches at the start of the year send out very detailed outline of camps and dates and that sort of things. But for soccer, it's kind of a waiting game. Usually a couple weeks before the trip leaves, you get an email that says, congratulations, you've been invited, or on the opposite side, we regret to inform you, (laughs) Um, that sort of thing. But there are other competitions and training camps throughout the summer, so that is a possibility for you. Yes, that is a possibility. I don't know whether they will be held kind of end of summer or fall type of thing, because it's complicated when a lot of the under 20 players are in college environments, because you have there are different time schedules and preseason and stuff like that. So I think the coaches are like, they try to be aware of that and design camps and friendly opportunities around that schedule. And you said that you had committed to Stanford for college to play soccer. When will those coaches get involved and when will you sort of start working with them? I will start, well, so prior to your arrival freshman year throughout that summer you're provided with kind of an information packet with a lot of guiding workouts and that sort of thing so next summer I I think I'll have a lot of input from them on like types of strength training and workouts I should be doing but then yeah August 1st I will report there next summer cool 
I'm going to be interested to follow you in college because, you know, I, I mean, like when you go to college, you'll be under, it sounds like, I mean, or I'm assuming sort of a more rigorous system. I mean, do you have any sense of that? How, if that will change sort of how you train or like how you perceive the training? Yeah, I know for sure it'll definitely be more rigorous than what I'm used to and a lot more hours. Um, luckily, my sister's there now and I'll have two years with her, so I can get a little bit of an insight more so than other people about sure. what to expect. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Like I've mentioned before, I love to train. So, yeah. Do you do anything for like that people would put under the category of for fun? I enjoy baking, so sometimes I bake when I have free time. Mm-hmm. I personally consider like backcountry skiing, you know, hiking, kind of bagging peaks during the summer. All those things are fun to me. So I would say most of my training is centered around what brings me joy. And I focus less on kind of like the repetitive nature of of doing certain things. I, I like to have a variety for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been this has been really fun. Appreciate yeah, it's it. been great to talk to you, too. Thank you, Sammy, for being on Hear Her Sports. Clearly, you are busy with all sorts of amazing things, so I appreciate you being so generous with your time. Thank you to Sammy's ski coach, Kristen Bourne, for making the introductions. Be sure to listen to the excellent conversation I had with Kristen a few months ago in episode 142. And thank you also to Kim McKenney and Olivia Bufard-Nesbitt of Nordic Ski Lab, who mentioned Sammy as someone interesting to talk to. I know I've been getting on about no more snow, but there are plenty of places still to ski, and I love cross-country skiing, so find out more about learning how to cross-country ski in episode 130 with Kim and Olivia. And thank you for being here. I appreciate your time as well. Be sure to tell your friends about this episode or any of the others you enjoyed. For more about Sammy, links to the things mentioned in the episode and a link to Endura Athletic, go to Sammy's episode page at hearhersports.com. And let's stay connected. Reach me by sending an email to elizabeth at hearhersports.com or connect through any of the socials at hearhersports. Hear Her Sports is a proud member of Evergreen Podcast. For more information or to check out other shows on the network, please visit evergreenpodcast.com. And always, until next time, bye-bye. I might readjust my chair really quickly because sometimes it squeaks. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. 
Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run, where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 